0: No, we were just chatting. Morning, David. Morning to you, sir. Morning, Captain. <laughs> the podcast HMS. you got a new mic, haven't you? We don't know if it's I working. certainly have. Well, it's a, it's a snowflake, but it's actually not working. It's a large piece. It sort of looks more like a, a podcast trophy. A snowflake? Not a snowflake, a winterflake. What's it called? A, um... What's, what's this? Blue Yeti. A Blue Yeti. There is something called a, a snow- snowflake, isn't theres is there? Maybe. A, a micro... I hope so. God, I'm just losing my grip on reality. I'm just giving things random Would names. <laughs> A winter flake? A winter flake or something. A flake that only appears in the winter. You've got to get the temperature right. It's got to crystallise before it hits the ground. That's science. So we were just talking about you wanted to be a filmmaker. Absolutely. That was a dream. At what age? At what age? I remember, basically, I was in a family barbecue and my auntie Barbara... Came down, came from Australia, and she was talking to me at the barbecue, and she was saying, have "Oh, you got a bar- Auntie Barbara from Australia? I have, your- absolutely, have all the way from uh, all the way from Oz. Um, yeah. I think they moved over there in the in the eighties or something. And yeah. um, I'm slightly concerned your headphones are making a clicking noise when you move your head. Oh, really? I'll keep it still then. I'll uh, <laughs> walk for an hour and a half. I'll have whiplash. Off. it's really worth <laughs> it. Anything's worth good audio." You were talking to Auntie Barbara. And um, she, I was just, I think, just rabbiting on. And she said to me, oh, you're a film buff then. You like films. And, How old um, were you then? I was 10, I think, about 10 or 11. I didn't even realise that film, to me, films was just like oxygen. It's almost like, oh, you like eating, do you? Or, uh, oh, you have a bath, do you, uh, at the end of the evening. What, at the age of 10, you were obsessed? Oh, yeah, very much obsessed type of thing. Um, but, um not probably not so much directors, just sort of... Um, I'd dress up as the characters. I'd have the film posters. No, I think I was into the directors. I had all the making of books. And I remember watching the making of Temple of Doom on BBC. I'd watch Barry Norman. So, yeah, I wasn't into films. It wasn't just like me wandering around of a tuxedo, fighting Barry physical Norman men. was on quite late, wasn't he? Barry Norman yes, it Sunday. would be taped for me. And then I'd go downstairs before uh, school the next day. and then, You uh, loved films. Oh, yeah, I was way... I, I think the thing I absolutely love I just love American hype I love the idea when kids came back from America and they had all the latest like Ninja Turtles or Bart Simpson so it was films primarily but it was just any pop culture junk that I could just sort of get my vampire teeth into what why do you think you're into all that I don't know it's really um, and I've become quite obsessed and into it I would just be into the Ewoks for an entire summer just obsessed by them, so I was probably on some kind of spectrum. Worryingly, well, what do you mean you're obsessed? What would you do with them? Uh, Draw them, uh, collect them, um, you know, uh, watch the films. Yeah, well, I think I do. I probably drew an Ewok in my time, and I collected some Smurfs. Oh God, I collected Smurfs manically from petrol stations. <laughs> <laughs> Remember Smurfs in petrol stations? Yeah, I think, I think I do. Used to get one every time, you know. Um, your dad would fill up the, uh, the, you know, the engine type of thing. How many Smurfs did you have? Oh, absolutely loads. I had like well, a, how many? Oh, you're looking at like 60, something like that. So perhaps so like loads. I had loads. about 12 on my windowsill. God, I had. Um, I had a lot yeah a, a good amount of 60 yeah i remember all of my windshirts sel and uh, shelves. did you have the smurf with the little football attached to his foot i certainly did that's like an iconic nostalgic one isn't it yeah and, and anyway this is a movie podcast. Absolutely. absolutely well Smurfs turned into a, fran- a movie franchise isn't it so you wanted to be you wanted to get into films absolutely yeah and you 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 studied it at college what did you study I studied um, films, uh, let's see, I did two BTECs in films, uh, one was film uh, production, the other one was film post-production, and then I did a uh, film A-level and a media A-level. Useful? Um, right. Yeah, I would say yes. I think, you know, you know, if um, you're going to be the next Edgar Wright, yeah, it was useful, definitely. Does this feel like you're on Desert Island Discs or something? Oh, massively at the moment. I feel very naked type of thing. And also, a lot of it, like anything in life, you're trying to work out in your head as you're talking about it. You know, I don't know how I've got here, sat in this lounge, wearing my Star Wars PJs. You know, just yeah, but like, you're now on one of the great movie podcasts. Absolutely. it's It all and makes sense. And you are, sense. to be fair, you're steering the ship. Sir, you are steering the ship. I am merely stood behind you, sounding the horn. <laughs> Not noticing there's an iceberg in my blind spot. I mean, surely, they're, surely there are film directors. Well, let's do another minute on this because this is the random movie generator. But surely there are uh, directors and writers out there that never got started until they were 45. Surely, David. I'm trying to think. Um, they probably had some kind of intense media career before then. I don't think anyone's come out of the blue at 45. Are you sure? Yeah, they would have been like a a documentary filmmaker or they would have been an actor, a well-known actor. They would have produced some kind of brand name in the industry before 45 type of thing. I don't know. I mean, I could be wrong. 40 filmmakers over 40 when they hit it big. Yeah? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Gus Van Sant. Gus Van Sant, really? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, what did he do before he was 40? Was he an artist or something? I'm just giving you the names. The Gus Van Sant, he did Private Idaho and Milk. Is that really? Yeah. So he'd be incredibly old now, because Private Idaho was a big indie hit, and that was in the early 80s. hmm Clint Eastwood. Well, I mean, with Clint Eastwood, he's a massive star, wasn't he? He was 40. would play Misty for me. He was 40. Let's... Come on, part two of your life's round the corner, David. Don't talk as if it's all over. Robert Altman. I think correct, because Robert Altman definitely was... Um, he was quite young when he did MASH. I think it would have been in his 30s when he did MASH, didn't he? Because MASH was like... Um... Before releasing MASH in 1970, Altman... Was earning his stripes in TV. It wasn't until 1967's Countdown starring James Cannon and Robert DeVal that he broke into films. Oh, God, there you go. Goodness me. That is interesting. Sir Ridley Scott. So before being a big film director, he was a massive advertising director, wasn't he? So he did like the uh, the Mac commercial. His debut feature, The Duelists, opened. He was 40. Jesus Christ, how old is he? Ang Lee. Do I need to go on? Michael... Oh, Michael Haneke was really late, wasn't he? What did he do before then, then? Did he, he didn't release his debut theatrical feature, The 7th Continent, until he was 47. Really? Yeah. God, that's amazing! Yeah. 47! So, take your head out of your ass. Quite right, Write sir. Write that movie script. Absolutely. No, I You agree. don't want to be on your deathbed going, Oh, bloody hell, why didn't I make Ice Pork? absolutely ice pour the franchise bloody trilogy i can see ice pours on duvets i don't want to be on my deathbed thinking why didn't david make ice pour know, i just need to get that finger out the arse and um <laughs> <get ready> <laughs> out of my arse that is no one else's and if it was there'd be consent my fingers in there is trying to hook my head out other thing. <laughs> well, I've got hideously okay. stuck there for the last 40 years. David Edwards Movie News Right, David. Have you got any mu- moving news for us this <laughs> week? news? Here we go. My head's removed from yeah, my yeah leave yeah, yeah, that metaphor. And move move yeah, yeah. on Edwards. Yeah, basically um, moving news. We you and my good self are um so me and your good self is rather I'm uh, not the biggest kind of like comic book movie fans but big big news for those are the those are the those out there who are big comic book movie fans in the sense that um, they Ryan Reynolds did a trailer or more of an announcement really to camera over the week uh, on YouTube that I saw that I didn't bother watching it. What was that about? Yeah, it was a big revelation basically that uh, Deadpool three is coming out, but it's also going to co-star Hugh Jackman returning as Wolverine. So that's a big big deal for the comic book fans out there. And uh, oh, he's not impressed. But we've got to share the news now because there's going to be some um, comic book uh, kings out there who are going to be interested. So for them, I was jealous in a way. As oh god, I wouldn't mind something like that in one of my franchises. I mean, because I mean it was quite a shock because obviously Logan, the last um, Wolverine, that was supposed to be his last ever Wolverine appearance because he passes away in that one. That's not a spoiler. That's the whole way it was kind of like um, presented. I've never been less interested in your movie news. Dear me, it's not good, is it? it has to be Here's another one, then. This might be <laughs> you. Yeah. This might boost your, uh, your interest in it, uh, which is, uh, Netflix are currently filming uh, a big budget Beverly Hills Cop 4. Ooh. There you go. A bit of 80s nostalgia there. With who? Uh, with Eddie Murphy playing, um, What's the main character called in, uh, Beverly Hills Cop? Sorry, uh, I've got it here. Yeah, Axel Foley, it's called, it's called Beverly Hills Cop, dot, dot, Axel Foley. And apparently, uh, Kevin Bacon, I was going to say Richard Bacon then, completely different person. Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Richard, Richard, Richard Bacon. Richard Bacon has got a big, big part of that. <laughs> yeah. Kevin Bacon has, and also Joseph Gordon. What about Cheryl yeah. Baker? Um, no, unfortunately not. The budget can't push that far, but that would be good. I would definitely hook in so a, a Beverly new Hills Cop 4? Yeah, Beverly Hills Cop 4. Massive... Uh, and they're filming it now. Apparently, it's a massive production. Putting loads of... into. Because, I mean, you know, um, Netflix are very clever with their algorithms, aren't they? Working out, you know, exactly what people want to watch. And apparently, 80s nostalgia. Well, they've worked that out with Stranger Things, haven't they? But there's a massive hook for that. Oh, my God, David. Oh, yes. I've just found an image of the two... I think the two cops that used to try... Wasn't it like a triangle? Yes, there was. And they're all coming back. Those two are coming back. They look incredibly elderly now. Oh, my God. You can hardly recognise them. Yeah. They're well-known 80s character actors, aren't they? I can't remember their names, but they're in a lot of things. Yeah. But they're all coming back. So the original cast is coming back with new, sort of more modern A-list actors. The other thing with Netflix, because their subscriptions have dipped recently... And they're trying to pump more money into the actual company, they are gonna start doing cinema releases. So Beverly Hills Cop 4 should get like a cinema release, a good window, about a month, and then come out on Netflix on the streaming site. Judge Reinhold. That is him. There you go. That's it. I hardly recognize and him. The suit and pin show. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. What happened to them after the 80s? They just kind of evaporated. He was in loads of stuff. Wasn't he in um Uh, The Fred Savage film, um, whereby um, Fred Savage and him uh, swap bodies. What's that called? I don't know. I mean, he's busy. He's been busy for the last 30 years. It's just he's sort of appearing in things you've never heard of or just... Oh, they've got to pay the mortgage, haven't they? They've got to keep things ticking along type of thing. What did you think of the Beverly Hills? I think I really like them, the movies. Interestingly, I heard recently... The um, the main writer on it was Sylvester Stallone, and it was supposed to be a Sylvester Stallone um, movie. What? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Sylvester Stallone was um, was one of the key writers on Beverly Hills Cop. No, and, no, um, no, no, no. And it was going to be a Sylvester Stallone movie, and uh, the budget was too demanding, and Paramount said no, and um, then they got you Eddie Murphy. Have blown my- Wide open. There we are. We're back to that uh, office once again. We've done a full Sylvester circle. Sylvester Stallone was originally set to star in Beverly Hills Cop. That's and incredible. Harry, a lot of the writing um, was done by him because everyone thinks he's a bit of a meathead Stallone, but he's not at all. He's very clever. The other thing that's really uh, interesting with that is so that's why he did Cobra. Because Beverly Hills Cop was supposed to be his cop movie, and that didn't come to fruition. So then he wanted because Cobra was supposed to re- really be his next Rambo or um, oh. or uh, Rocky. He put a lot of energy into that. He thought it was going to be his next franchise, his next IP. Oh, honestly, do you remember Cobra? Oh, it's insane! It's like a series. I remember. Of cult. I remember being really nervous, Cope, about sitting down to watch that. Wasn't that a was it, that an 18? It was a really, it was 18, it was dark, it was dingy. It had a real horror, nasty vibe to it. It was really bizarre. And didn't he used to chew on a matchstick? Chew on a matchstick, and then you saw his home at one point, which was a flat, this derelict flat, and he would just eat cold pizza. It just had a really... Oh, I do mind watching Cobra. It really had, I had a Cobra poster, actually, which had him with the matchstick and, like, a gum. And um, and the hair was just like Travolta, Buffon. Oh, the hair was super. Utter, like a like super. a like a bike and racing And glasses. Oh, massive yeah. navigators, enormous, half his face. Stallone was attached to play Axel Foley in Beverly Hills Cop up until two weeks before production. Oh yeah, show. yeah, it was definitely Eddie Murphy was the last person. Yeah, you know I mean to, to be put in. Apparently, that. they went through Mickey Rourke, um, Al Pacino. Oh, I didn't know Rich, that. Richard Pryor. Oh, wow, well, Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy, that makes sense, doesn't it? But Paramount wants to little bit Stallone took budget. Beverly Hills Cop script into his own hands and overhauled the tone and the story. He made the movie a straight-up action movie, all but eliminating the humour Foley was supposed to have. Paramount didn't agree with this new take, partially due to the increased budget it would require. Instead of sticking around to do the version of Beverly Hills Cop the studio wanted, Stallone walked away from the project with a dog and a bag of fruit. Why did they put that? How bizarre! I don't quite know what you that know is. I made that bit oh, up. Oh God, say, flipping out! No, that? I thought I had some kind like metaphor. I was like, my uh, my filmic psyche was going. oh, there's something clever about that. Was that was that the? I've never head heard, heard of that. That is the best movie news you've ever brought to movie news. I'm glad. I'm glad I brought it too. Apparently, um, he's he's also admitted that was him at his peak of his ego. Because on the set of Cobra, he's even admitted this. He wouldn't let anyone look at him. Unless you're a director or cinematographer. But there was an actual rule on Cobra where you couldn't give him eye contact. Whatsoever. Do you know I've got a story about Stallone? Oh yes, what's that? I can't put it on the pod. Oh, good grief. Tantalising. Someone who worked... Someone who I've worked with knew someone who worked with him on... What film was it? Judge Dredd. And how did he come over then? Because I thought he was a bit more both feet on the I pod. Can't, I can't tell you. And it was post COVID. I'll tell you, but I can't tell you on the pod. I'd be very, very interested. Well, what I, I think I've told you before that um, my dad was pushed over by uh, one of his bodyguards at Planet Hollywood. We saw him in, He was filming Judge Dredd then. He was in London filming Judge Dredd. He was walking through Planet Hollywood because obviously he owned the, the restaurant at that point. And uh, my dad went over to get a uh, autograph and he was pushed aside. And he sort of fell backwards over a mini pharaoh i don't know if that was a mummy exhibit or something i don't know very quickly david memories of cobra yes or no uh yes in what way did you enjoy it no i found it very dark very confusing and it's one of those where i woke up asleep on the carpet do you know when you just like as a kid you sort of just doze off i found it way too intense i remember there was a bit where um all these serial killers have of uh are like in a cult and they meet up and they like sacrifice people and there's a one bit where stallone is just in this fire set room with like topless and he's got two axes and he's chinking them over his head i was just thinking, where, well, he's still got the matchstick on the side of his, his, his mouth just think, you know, when I look at Cobra, it's almost like it never happened. I know. But I think it, it didn't. You know, absolutely. Do you know what is a fascinating Sylvester Stallone video to watch? And people should check this out. And it only came out a week ago. It's um, Sylvester Stallone does unpacking of his own merchandise, which is insane. And um, he recently unpacked a um, an action figure of Cobra, and. Um, Oh, it's just ridiculous. He's—I can't do a Sylvester slight impression, but he's like, "Oh, he's my—he's like, he my little friend. Here comes Cobra. Cool, look That's at it!" And he's like, um, "He said he—he he goes to toy shops and he inspects the modelling of the toys, and he—he ha- he hates that there isn't like a proper likeness. But he says if you look at um, this new Cobra action figure, it's got a scar on his on his on his um, elbow, and he shows the camera the scar on his elbow and things like mm. that." I worked with someone in uh, makeup this year who worked with him on the what was his big movie with all the oh uh creed no the expendables yeah, so, oh Expendables. they worked with him last year on the expendables and said he was such a lovely man he does come over i tell you what did you have you seen the documentary it's also on youtube where you over covid so la is where, where he, he recuts Rocky. yes Ah. Oh, he comes over really well on that, really took well. Took about two hours long. Yeah, two hours. And get a yeah, real insight into his filmmaking uh, skills and his understanding of the craft. Listen, we could do a whole podcast on Stallone. Absolutely. Uh, ma- you know, I've got the Rocky script over there. I've got it for my birthday, the original Rocky script. No. No, I made that up, but it's Oh, God, that's a bit disappointing, actually, pal. (laughs) For the first Uh -uh. time, you've actually annoyed me. Hang on, let me show you what I've got. Hang on, hang on. on. Let's hit a nerve. Let's have a look. Let's see, what's this? What has he got for us? Oh, shit. My headphone went in my tea. Oh no, what a nightmare, is it all right? Earphone. Oh fuck. Oh how Hello? annoying. Hiya there, you are right. all oh, right? It's all wet, I've got tea in my ear. Oh god, peaky tips in the earlobes. Uh, can you talk? Yeah, one two one two, one yeah. two, yeah. Okay. Oh what's that? Okay, okay. Yeah? Oh my God! So you have got the Rocky scripts! So you're not joking! Oh my Lord! Where did you get that You have got it then! That's an amazing gift. That is impressive. That is quite a gift. Do you know... Oh, this is going to be a long old... Sorry, sorry Shut up, Edwards. <laughs> I'm, I'm annoyed. I can't get rid of him. I'm stuck with him. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. You're yeah, absolutely fine, yeah. <laughs> sorry, so carry on, carry no, on. No, no, no. Do you know they were doing... Um, Auction for Rocky last year? No, I didn't. What were they auctioned? Oh, Spencer Jones got in touch with me. He sent me the link. They were selling gloves. They were sell- you know, they were just selling little bits of costume props, scripts, just all these little uh, paraphernalia for the Rocky movie that you could. Beard that is off. amazing. There is a podcast called Prop Master, and it. Oh! It's, uh, it's absolutely amazing, and it's and it's basically um, run by two showrunners, two big comedy writers, showrunners. It's the guy who writes the new Game of Thrones show called Enter the Dragon, and the other one is a well-known comedy show writer that was involved with Park and Rex in the office. And um, you can tell that they've got money to burn. Bloody hell, they're talking about hunting for... Um, uh, they want to complete an alien's marine suit. And they're like, uh, well, I've got the boots. Um, I've got the phaser gun. Uh, I just need to get the actual jacket. And they're talking hundreds of thousands of pounds. Nuts. You know what I mean? It's just insane. Listen, we've got a crack on. We've Sorry, got, we've, buddy. Sorry. Let's we've, no, we've going. got a crack on. Thanks so bit. much, everyone, for listening to movie news. Thank you. That went on way too long. Apologies. David? Yes. It's this week's review. I'm fucking excited. I'm sorry for swearing if you don't like swearing, but I'm really excited. Last year, Matt, Mandy, we haven't spoken to Anne, Mandy I know, yet. I need to apologise, Mandy. Mandy. Did you go out for a date? I did go out for a date. I went to a garage and we ate curry, well, I ate curry, and, um... Nothing Why is she so quiet? He tried to kiss me. Well, did, oh, too... no, 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 hang on. He did. He did. He tried to kiss her. Yes. I did try and kiss her just on the edge, or on yes. one of her, um, sort of sharp edges. Yes. I sort of kissed her on the top of one of her, kind of, uh... Sharp edges. And I, and I just did, I didn't know where to kiss her. I, her. I didn't know where to kiss her in the center of, of the She Iron says Square. she was nervous. Yes. Well, I was very nervous, I didn't quite no, know. I was. Yes. And I was nervous too, it takes two to tango. I like, liked well. you, but I was nervous, David. She says she likes you, but she's nervous. Well, that's good. If you like someone, you're I think you your know. Thank you, David, for the shredded beef. And she says, "Thank you for the the uh, shredded beef." Yeah. Not a problem. I was happy to bring that along, so I couldn't heat it up. But um, I- mm-hmm. I'm glad that you know we we're sort of sat there eating it in silence, and that's yes. why I thought I'll give you a kiss in the corner of your your box. Mm-hmm. For those of you new to the podcast, David um, went on a date with our random movie yes. generator yes. Uh, uh, called mandy yes didn't he mandy yes he did. Yes. and there's a little bit of something but between- anyway let's so you and the ma- random movie generator mandy yes. um uh randomly picks the film dirty harry and it was a no second- it wasn't dirty harry it was a second dirty harry film it was um magnum force magnum force yeah what's it actually called then oh god what a night how embarrassing i've turned up dirty harry um it's called magnum force sorry it's dirty harry franchise it's a sequel and it's magnum force i thought i would watched the wrong film i thought god well barry norman never did that he always turned up with the right review flip it x please david take it away i would i've seen the first dirty Harry. i've not seen magnum force before i would say it's very much a mixed bag fucking hell it's, it's it's good in places Shit. you can definitely tell it's the early 70s and at this point um, they're now trying to turn Dirty Harry into a James Bond esque franchise and the character is a bit don't get me wrong it does work in places but there's times where he's not as grounded in reality he's a bit of a comic book character like they've got an opening which is almost trying to um, copy bond in the you know when bond walks along the uh, the gun barrel and swings and shoots at the audience you see the magnum gun and they just focus on that and the gun swings around and shoots at the audience which is fine I didn't have a problem with that but then later on you can tell that there's this this an almost Roger Moore esque moment I mean not that I mean Roger Moore had only just started James Bond's uh, career in 73 when this came out of live and let die but i mean there's a ridiculous moment where um clint eastwood is basically in an airport um just eating a burger bizarrely and he notices there's a kerfuffle in one of the rooms and it's because a terrorist has taken over one of the planes and he's just in the background eating this burger and he says and he suddenly talks over all this kerfuffle of people he says gentlemen i think i can help you out and then we cut to clint wearing this uh, a pilot suit and he just brashly wanders onto the aeroplane because the terrorists think he's a pilot um, and he's going to fly them away, you know, with the, um, with the plane to safety. Um, but um, it turns out that, you know, Clint isn't a pilot. He's just basically driving the, the plane around in circles around the white runway track and it does get a little ridiculous. What's it about? What's the movie about? Now, the actual Magicals. main plot of the movie is, is good. It's not, it's not bad, because the idea is it's a group of fascist cops who are going around now, and killing now, people. Now, 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 this is what I remember. Is there a first scene, the first scene, where a cop pulls a car over and shoots them? Yes, and that is good. That scared the living daylights out of me as a kid. It's really effective. Is it effective? Yeah, it is. Because you see the the cop at the beginning in his home getting his police outfit on. I mean, you don't see his face. And it's really quite sinister. It feels a bit like Cobra, actually, that we were talking about earlier, that sinister, dark vibe. And, um... Then, then you get that shooting, and you think, "God, this is a very intense, gritty kind of cop drama." Uh, and then the next scene you get is that uh, Clint pretending to be a pilot to uh, to deal with these terrorists on a plane. So it zigzags between kind of James Bond moments and then quite gritty, hard-boiled, dark cop vibe i mean one thing that's good definitely is a cinematography it's got like a sort of documentary feel lots of handheld shots lots of long takes goes in and out of focus which gives you a very immersive kind of vibe and the finale the stunts are really impressive where clint's being chased by these kind of renegade cops on motorbikes and there's no CGI involved these stuntmen have obviously done these stunts and uh, it's like meat just smashing against the sides of um, juggernauts and walls when they come flying off their bikes it's uh, well let's uh, let's have, let's have a little listen to a little bit of magnum absolutely yes <laughs> Is this car registered to you? Oh, yes, sir. This is my car. You must be new. You know who I am? I'll still have to see your license and registration, sir. I believe you were speeding coming across the bridge. <laughs> Well, there you go. So, when you were sitting down and watching it, David, and when did you watch it? I'd like to know when you... I watched it uh, Saturday afternoon with my lunch. Did you enjoy it? Or was it a trudge? I would say... um, I enjoyed the ending. I thought the finale was really, really good. I thought, yeah. I, I mean, I haven't seen it for... Donkeys. I don't, I don't even know if I've seen it now. You can tell... I it, thought you were going to come back and... It's a film made by a committee. You can tell producers have got involved and they can see a franchise there. And they, they're definitely trying to ape the James Bond formula. There's one bit where Clint Eastwood goes back to his apartment and he starts chatting to this lady. And halfway through the conversation, she goes, tell me, how does a woman like me get to sleep with a man like you? And then he just, you know have intercourse with her as simple as that and you're suddenly taken out of this wow it hasn't got the Don Segal I mean Don Segal one who directed did things like uh, Evasion of the Body Snatchers he did the original Dirty Harry and it was based a lot more in reality it was rooted more it oh absolutely like, it was this one this one pivots between the two it is very at much at what not, point did it pivot away from reality how far into the film were you like oh Oh, I'm not sure about that. Well, I reckon uh, quite early on, once he suddenly randomly turns up as a pilot and um, he's just doing circles around a a runway and and the terrorists keep telling him, you know, take off, take off type of thing. And in the end, his solution is to hit the brakes and then everyone falls forward, obviously, which is such a cliche. And um, it doesn't really push the narrative. It's just um, Dirty Harry getting up to a jape. It's, it's a bizarre situation. And also, um, he's got a partner who's very straight laced. It's a bit cliched. And the reason he's eating this burger as he's strolling around this airport and he comes across his terrorists is to show the audience that, um, Dirty Harry's just seen a dead body because I've just come from a crime scene, which is the one of the shooting that you mentioned with the, um, mm. the motorbike guy. And the, that, the, the other cop, the partner can't control his stomach because he's seen a dead body, but Clint East was just there ch- chewing on some okay. meat just feel a bit disappointed i know it's a, there are some good moments don't get me oh wrong there it's just oh sequelitis, unfortunately there are some yeah the ending in like a, a on a disused aircraft carrier is very very cool you know it's, it's clint dealing with these motorcycle um you know vigilante fascist cops and also it's a clever idea because the first Dirty Harry, when it came out, it was severely criticised because they said Harry, Dirty Harry was a fascist, you know. But then in this sequel, the idea is he's not the fascist, he's, you know, dealing with the fascists type of thing. was quite a clever central... Did they make idea. a third Dirty Harry? Yes, I think they made four, all in all. Did they? I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure they made four because there's one, I think, in the very early 90s that Jim Carrey appears in. And um, Clint East was quite elderly at that point—not elderly, but quite grey, you know. Oh, David, David, David! Dirty Harry, Magnum Force, the Enforcer—that's it. Yeah, Sudden Impact, and the Deadpool. Deadpool is Jim Carrey. Says so five. So it did suddenly turn to a franchise. It's Dirty Harry, the one that's yes, it is. It's such an amazing start to the film. Someone swimming. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was a sniper with his gun. Yeah, sniper D- rifle. It's really chilling. Very chilling. It's still got that same. Can I just do that song? Can I sing that tune? Oh, please do, me? please. It's got that seductive early seventies, late sixties. Sorry, I haven't finished. There you go. They don't. don't make them like they used to. Imagine sat there in the cinema. You had Pearl and Dean before that. And you have. Dirty Harry is a genuinely is a good movie, isn't it? Oh, yes. Yeah. Here we Could go. Here we go. Right, yes. You? Oh, it's chilling. It's a grim opening. Just the crosshairs on a girl in a swimming pool. And from a tower block across the street, a sniper rifle. It's got a very gritty real look to it, isn't it? It's not overly glamorous at all. You can tell it's almost like a documentary vibe to it. It's all natural lighting, I think that's the key. It's not overly stylized. It's got that sort of grainy, gritty, kind of like 16 millimeter or kind of, you know, um, ARRI camera, kind of 35 millimeter feel, isn't it? It's, it's got a proper iconic 70s cinema, which ironically, with HD camera work these days, you can make it look absolutely crystal perfect. But then they put the um, the digital film through post-production, don't they? I'm just watching the start of the killer in Dirty Harry is called Andrew Robinson. Blimey, it sounds like a BBC One kind of uh, talk show presenter. And he's still acting. He's still doing bits and pieces. Well, one of the main villains in uh, Magnum Force was um, David Soule from Starsky and Hutch. He's one of the, the fascists yeah. on the bike. Yeah, I remember him. Well, David, I'm um, just having a look at Andrew Robinson just to see how old he is. He's fucking 80 years old. Blimey. The killer in Dirty Harry is now 80 Years old. I'm sure he still invites to Comic Con to sign his name. Yeah, you know, it won't be long until they do a Dirty Harry reboot. Absolutely. And also, I tell you, the other thing is, you can totally see how um, Judge Dredd was based on Dirty Harry. You can see how that, yeah, massively, definitely was uh, based on Dirty Harry. You can see it enormously. It's just basically Dirty Harry with a futuristic setting. Do you want to hear my Andrew Robinson impression? Oh, please do. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> that, honest to God, that, that does the job. Thank you. I knew where it was in a film. Do you? Yeah. Right, I now want to find that scene. What about just Harry's communicating saying. that moment? Actually, I won't play the scene in case you haven't had the film. David! What? Now's the time to review it. How many ices out of five are you giving Magnum Force? Can I do a three point five? Three and a half out of five. Yeah, it's 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 not absolutely appalling, but it ain't. Gr- it's not brilliant. It's nothing like the first one. Okay, that's not bad. Three and a half. Yeah, it's not terrible. terrible. There is, the ending is very good, and um, which you needed, it kind of saved it. And it's well shot. And also, Clint Eastwood is good. You know, he's very watchable. But you could just tell that the, you know producers, money men, were not thinking right. Let's just make a decent movie. It was a case of right. Let's start a franchise. And you could tell that you know it had a Bond, Cubby Broccoli plan in front of it. Well, thank you, David, for this week's movie review. Thank you, sir. Thank you for listening. No, I really did enjoy that. No, no, no. no. In fact, well, I hope so. I hope it's genuine. I really do. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know it if it's genuine. genuine. I do know it's genuine. I shouldn't even question that for a second. <laughs> that was bad of me to question someone's genuineness. Halfway through a conversation. It's going lovely. and kiss. kiss. It's just genuine. Oh, did you hear that? What Mandy said? What did she say? It's, I didn't quite... I was, kiss, I was, kiss. Oh, kiss, kiss, Matthew. <laughs> to you. Do you think there's gonna be a relationship yes. All right, Mandy, all right, I'm only asking the question. For crying out loud, I'm not a piece of meat. I'm a, I'm a man, for crying out loud. Yes. I really just... Are you gonna see each other again? I would like to. Yes. Oh, she says the same. Well, let, let's do it then. Let's stop talking about it. Let's, let's... You know, like Dirty Harry, let's take action. Do you know what I mean? It's not all about words, it's about doing things. David Edwards movie tips. Right, David, um, have you got any movie tips this week? I tell you a very good movie tip. A documentary. It got a cinema release. This documentary, but you can video stream it. Very good one. You'd like this one? <clears throat> it's. Um, let me get the uh, the proper title for you, so there's no confusion here at all. It's called. Hollywood Bulldogs, um, The Rise and Falls of the Great British Stuntmen, and um, it's extremely good. I was really, really... Ray Winston does the voiceover, and oh. um, it's people like... Um, Where did you find this? Where did you find this to watch? It was reviewed on Empire magazine uh, when oh. it was, it got a very small cinema release. David, we've got a big old bit on Brian and Charles in Empire this this week month really yeah what's a what because so it's coming out onto stream or i don't know but i did an interview and they've done a whole big thing again and and then they're they're building charles a tuxedo they're create making a tuxedo for charles to wear for a photo shoot that's incredible why are they doing more promotion for it i know i don't know if it's to do with i don't know america or i don't know that's incredible anyway you thought the pr rocket had like gone off and you know had left the stratosphere by now but it's come back for another sort of lap yeah sorry hollywood bulldogs that does mean that it's um it's got a lot of interest in the film though for it to say no we want to come back and do more on it it's nice isn't it yeah bloody right that's really positive news that is that's incredible um hollywood bulldogs you've got people like Vic armstrong who appeared in like superman Sorry, David, do you get to see shots of the film and then the the guys that did the stunts? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's all about them. It's all about the stuntmen. Do you, do you chat to them and then watch the actual scene in the film? And oh, then- yeah, yeah, absolutely. You get oh. cutaways of them being interviewed, and then uh, a lot of them, like, Simon Templar, the Saints, uh, the Avengers, as in, like, the, the, the British TV show, and then you've got Bond, um, Superman... I'm gonna mention it again. Indiana Jones, unfortunately. There we go, terrible. Oh, there's disgusting. the alarm. There's what a it. disaster, what can I do? I mean, you know, I don't plan these things. they just just... Um... Do you wanna press that button on Mandy there? Yeah, there we go, sorry, oh. Mandy. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Did you hear that? I certainly did, that's the... Uh... That was Princess Leia. Absolutely. Princess Leia button. Princess Layer button saying some sweet to somethings to... Oh, it's important to have a Princess Layer button when you feel down. It's like a... It's a cheap form of Prozac, that is. Like, that gives you a real boost in the old... So, Hollywood box. Bulldogs, you like this, did you? Yeah, do you know what? It was fascinating about it. At the same time... On Disney+, Plus, there's an Industrial Light and Magic documentary series, which is fascinating. Yeah, you mentioned that in another pod. It really was. So you've got these real hyper-intelligent, could-almost-work-for-NASA special-effect geeks. You know, really, to the extent that, you know, there's one part of the documentary, a lot of them are are talking about dealing with anxiety, autism uh, issues, you know, being on the spectrum because they're so bright, they're near to madness. And then you have the other aspects of the special effects during the 80s and 90s. From this show, uh, this this documentary um, film, which is these proper London geezers, you know, proper kind of like Guy Ritchie characters. Well, I just sort of showed up and they said to me, can you fire a machine gun? And I was like, yeah, well, I'll give it a go. Could you be a bit more Guy Ritchie when you do their voice? Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, what sort of things? So one thing I could do with a car is I could roll it. I could always roll a car. It doesn't matter. Could like, you like times that by 10 and really be Guy Ritchie? So they said to me, what we want you more. to do is, what more. we want you, more. what we want you to do is get the top of a building and just leap off it. Just leap off it and just see what happens and then we'll give you a tenner, yeah? So I did that and they gave me 20 and I went back the next day and I got a machine gun and I started using that. You could easily be in the next guy, Richie. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. I bloody What would so. your name be? It would be a Nasher after the Beano dog. <laughs> Something like that. So a bit of, a yeah. bit of irony, but Nasha did mean business. When we did Brian and Charles, I spoke to... Do you know that stuntman who had that, had to do that? You were there. Oh, the yeah, had, yeah. With the, uh, the, yeah, the Yeah, so I spoke to him. And he was... I think he just sort of started getting into it. But he said he was on some course. And, like, literally the following weekend, he had to learn how to do... Take a bend like a sharp bend at 40 miles an hour in a car that um, something like that that was what he was either he had an exam or he was being taught how to take a sharp bend at 40 miles an hour and I think he said the furthest you get or the the gold award is being able to do it at 80 or 90 miles an hour that is amazing that's just incredible yeah yeah it's absolutely amazing and when I was talking to him about the stunt he had to do on our film he was genuinely pumped up for it and because he's you know, dragged back by a massive cable, wasn't he? And I said to him, "What, like, why did you do it? Why did you?" He said he basically admitted because he likes that little bit at the end where he gets a clap from everyone, and it's that rush of adrenaline, and then that appreciation from the. God, that's amazing! It is mad. The other thing is, with these stuntmen now, they have courses. They've got a union, but in the seventies and 80s, uh, I think. Probably seventies more than the eighties, um they said stuntmen. They're like, we're well, just chancers. You just turn out, you're a chancer. Do you know what I mean? There's no union or anything. They just got involved. But the other interesting thing is linking to what you were saying about the, the more modern stuntmen is that, um, that a lot of them are going out of work now because of CGI. I mean, you get the odds film whereby they boast that oh, it's all live action, like the new Star Wars TV series, um, uh, Andor a lot of that's live action and the Tom Cruise Did you films. just mention Star Wars again? Uh, unfortunately so. No, 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 it's absolutely fine. I just, I, ne- I need to clarify every time you do. It is terrible. What can I say? It's on the cultural zeitgeist. It's not my doing. It's not my doing at all. But well, I mentioned it. Yes, I did. I mentioned Princess Leia. Yes, I did. It's probably my influence though, isn't it? It's probably my mug. Yeah. That reminds you of her. Not yeah. that I look like Carrie Fisher, but, you know, probably my, uh, my essence in the room that makes you think of a, a galaxy far far away type of vibe sounds <laughs> like I'm promoting an aftershave or something That's bizarre but it's a case of um yeah you get the odd film that kind of boost boasts that it's um live action because people are sick of CGI but the majority of it is all computer graphics and it's a dying art form now mm. definitely dying so art where do we get where do we where are we able to watch this um On bulldogs amazon it's on Amazon. Amazon. You can you can buy it there. For free? Uh, unfortunately not. You've got to buy it. How much is that? I think about two or three quid, not much. Okay. You can rent it okay. for two or three quid, and it's definitely worth um, checking out. And you see these stuntmen now, they're like OAPs in their little flats. And, um, well, some of them have done well, like Vic Armstrong. He really became massive. He, he's got an autobiography out, which I read, which is really, really interesting. So I'm going to bring up Raids of the Lost Ark now. You, you know the uh, the truck? chase oh yes yes do they, do they show any of that oh yes because Vic Armstrong was um, Harrison Ford's double type of thing oh, okay Harrison all oh, the alarm got off. oh, oh dear God that, that, was that was a trap that was a booby trap that one yeah that was a little trap that was a Harrison Ford <laughs> bear trap in a middle of a forest yeah name me an actor right what actor rhymes with Barrison board Barrison board um Harrison Borge. Oh, Harrison Ford. There you go. <laughs> if that was a mental test, I don't think I'd be allowed in the club, would I? I was, overly, I was overly thinking that one. Good God. I was shooting for the stars and I missed the man himself doing that. Way embarrassing. Well, it's not embarrassing. I'm being really catty. But, um... Vic Armstrong looked exactly like Harrison Ford in his days and um, it does make you realize how well Harrison Ford's aged because then you look at Vic Armstrong now he's got a massive oh god I'm hardly the uh, sort of beard gut uh, and hardly any hair or anything and um, you, you do realize that Harrison Ford still has looks I don't know where I'm going with this it's become homoerotic as it always does with Ford and to just avoid it at all costs. Thank you, David, for this week's movie tip. I was given enough rope to hang myself there. I should call it quit, shouldn't I? I've got my own no, boat. I enjoyed I mean, it. I need to go for a wee. I'll be back in one minute. Not a problem. I'll be, I'll, on, I'll, I'll be left with my thoughts. <laughs> She's ready to go as you can hear her buzzing away. Buzzing away? I she was like that during our day. I like you. Aw, did you hear that? Did you hear that? Did you hear what she just said? No, I didn't actually. What, what was she, uh... She just said, I like you. Well, I like you too. It'd just be nice if you did a bit more humming next time we, you know, humming of excitement on the old motherboards. Next time we share a curry and some shredded meat. Beef. What's your point? I don't know if she's like 100% interested. I get like mixed signals. I don't want to turn this into like a Dave Edwards and Mandy. She's whistling. Well, you should have whistled two days ago when we were in that garage eating shredded beef together. I was going to say shredded wheat, but that would <laughs> hardly be appropriate for a date We it sat there with two bowls of cereal. I like it when he acts tough. Oh, do you what she said? No, no. What was that? I like it when he acts tough. That's because I am tough. I've got a soft outside, but there's a tough center. I'm like a Fox Glacier Mint. No, that's the other way around, isn't it? <laughs> that is not thats the other way round. I'm the alternative to a Fox Glacier Mint. I'm soft around the edges, but there's a tough, the tough nut in the center. What is that? What sweet is that? What sweet is soft around the edges with a tough nut? (laughs) I guess it would just be a a bar of fruit and nut, wouldn't it? It would just be a bar of fruit and nut. So Nice um, milky chocolate, but every now and then you come across a walnut. Crunch. Okay. So, let's randomly pick the first movie. Please give me a genre um well it's for you to stop press the button yeah you said press the button oh press the button here we go i've done it several times i should know by now here we go press the button history oh here we go okay and decade press the button 1980s and generate please mandy four movies here for David, David, to randomly pick one of them. Tell me when to stop. Stop. The Right Stuff. I've never seen that. That's about the astronauts of Ed Harris, isn't it? I've never seen The Right Stuff. It's supposed to be very good. Oh, That's how do you classic. feel about that then? Yeah, I'd be very interested in seeing The Right Stuff. I've never seen that. I've never heard of it. It's about astronauts, basically test pilots who are... Um, Uh, getting the opportunity to actually go from being a test pilot for like big jumbo jets to actually become like fighter pilots to actually become uh, uh, astronauts. Yes, it's very Okay, let's pick the next movie. Please pick a genre, David. Stop. No, not stop. Oh, sorry. Press the button. Sorry, Mandy. And we have to go again because you landed on TV movie and we never do TV movies on this show. Press the button. History. Oh, once again, historical, okay. (laughs) Bit of a history lesson Uh, for Mr. Edwards. Choose a decade. Press the button. 1990s. Okay. And we generate. And we have four movies here. Uh, For David to pick one of them. Please tell me when to stop. Stop. Cool runnings. Gosh, do you know, I've never. I May have seen that I may have not I don't know obviously. I know it's, it's John um, Candy and it's based on I've the, never uh, seen it. No, the uh, Barbados um, oh, Car- Jamaican. Carabin- Jamaican let's get it right we're crying out loud um, Sledging team in the Olympics Yeah, you know, no, I, I don't think I've it's definitely an underdogs kind of uh, Eddie the Eagle vibe film I'm trying to see if I saw it as a kid one half term ...sort of rented it from blockbusters, I can't remember. It's kind of vaguely in my head. And the third film. Please tell me when to stop on the genre. Hmm. Well, are we doing the other bits? are um, the, the, the genre and the, the dates? Yeah, the genre. Oh, the genre, sorry. Goodness me, we yeah, take it over. Not, David you... seems so spiky, then. It's okay. She said you seemed spiky, then. Oh, sorry, I got... I from... like it when he's tough. Oh, well, can you hear what she just said? No, I bloody couldn't. Tell me, please. I like it when he's tough. Maybe I should turn up a bit tougher for our second date, then. The sequel, Numero Uno. No, not Uno, that's one. Numero (laughs) Duno. Date (laughs) Duno. Numero Duno. Numero Duno, the date. (laughs) I'm looking forward to that. Okay. Let's pick the third movie and the third genre. Please tell me when to stop. Press the button. Music. Here we go. A musical. A decade. Press the button. 1950s. Oh dear. That doesn't that doesn't feel we have hope. Oh dear. Um generate please Mandy. And we have four movies here. Please tell me when to stop. Stop. Some like it hot. Do you know I've never seen that. That would be really interesting because I um I watched the Marilyn um Blonde biopic that's on Netflix by Andrew Dominic that was recently uh, that was only released on Wednesday. And that's a real dark insight into the life of Marilyn Monroe. It's got a lot of criticism that film because it's it's they they call it um torture porn because it's just Marilyn being depicted in these horrific scenarios for the entire three-hour movie there's like oh, okay quite intense abortion scenes and things like that i don't bring down so i don't bring down the tone of, of the of the piece but uh that would be an interesting film to watch after watching a biopic definitely so i've um, given each movie the right stuff cool runnings and some like it hot i've given each movie a b and c i've jumbled them around and now you have to pick a, B, or C to see which movie you're going to review next week. Is it going to be A, B, or C? B. The Right Stuff. Oh, oh! I am up for that, Captain. I wonder what, that is a film talking about Empire. Yeah. Empire Magazine are always banging on about The Right Stuff. I really do need to check that out and also i watched damon um Chazelle's, um ryan gosling film recently uh first man all about neil armstrong and that was inspired by the right stuff he sort of if um, i never heard of the right stuff oh it's a big big film yeah definitely it's about um astronauts and one of the first kind of spaceship missions bizarre bizarre it's never a big director one. as well and it's annoying that i can't remember the actual name of the director Philip Kaufman, produced by... Philip Kaufman, produced by Erwin Winkler and Mr. Charsoff. Erwin Winkler, big, big producer, did a lot of big Universal films. Dennis Quaid, Sam Shepard, yeah, Ed there Harris. Yeah, there you go, Sam Shepard, the known script, um, playwright. And Ed Harris and Dennis Quaid, one of his big roles. Music writers. by Bill Conti. Yeah, yeah, it's a big, big one, definitely. Oh, I'm looking forward to hearing what you think of this. If you see the poster, it's very iconic, the poster. I've never seen the poster. Where have I been? It's all four of them in their astronaut suits. All sort of test pilot suits slash astronaut suits. There's seven of them. Seven of them. Seven, for crying out loud. Well, David, and it's got bloody good reviews. Oh, yeah, it's a classic. It's an absolute classic. I have got a treat in front of me. I'm glad. I'm glad it's not a homework. It's always good to know that you've got good times ahead. Yeah well David thank you so much for this week Thoroughly no, thank enjoyed. you thank you uh, and now we've got three questions from the patrons do you know what I put I put a little message up on patreon just before we start recording and there are let me tell you how many questions there are 35 to choose from in the last 35. hour Wow that's how much they want to know what you think of things Wow, that is incredible. Uh, things. thing is, I do hope I answer them to a decent uh, degree, because they're always very good questions. I always think do. to myself, dear God, this could be the basis for a podcast, a lot of the questions. Well, uh, so for now, we're going to say goodbye to the regular listeners. Thank you so much for listening. No, so thank uh, you for tuning in. There's a lot of podcasts out there, so for you to give us half an hour of your earbud time, hugely, it really is, it's, it's a competitive minefield out there. It is. You just slice some time for us. Please tell your family and friends, and please leave a review on iTunes. Please do leave a review. And rate it. Yes, please do. Because it does help. Absolutely. Massively so. We do need help. Just some kind of support system. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much.